Welcome to Appalachian Shine, the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. And if you're listening to this, then consider yourself a part of the team. Stick around and let's shine a light on all things Appalachia. another episode of Appalachian Shine, the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. This is your usual host, JC. You know, I'm going to go ahead and bore you again for another 10 minutes. Actually, no, we're not. We're going to have a great show today. We have an amazing writer, a local writer here with us today, Addie, uh, Addie Davis. She writes her name, Adalia Davis, right? Adalia. Adalia. And uh, we've had her on the show before with uh, another local writer here with the Authors Guild, and you may remember, but I, I always joke around about uh, Addie when uh, when I've recorded these podcasts during the pandemic. I recorded uh, had a podcast with some local preachers to talk about how the church had been impacted with less people, and I keep joking around. It's like you guys are the only ones who out outdrew the preachers on the number of downloads and listens. So uh, thanks for coming back to the show, Addie, and tell us. Uh, you're from over in uh, Rosedale. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you're what you're working on lately and how well, things are going. As most people know that know me at all, I I write usually historical fiction, and but I try to keep my the settings as accurate as I can make them. I mean, if I said when most a lot of my books were set in West Virginia because I was born and raised in McDowell County, so I kept that history as accurate. Or if I'm as I like right now, I'm writing a working on a book it's a series but the first book is one book is finished and i'm working on the second one and it's called the celtic locket legacy and uh, it's the first one starts in ireland but the man comes to west to pittsburgh and gets a job with u.s steel and they send him to learn as much as he could about the steel interest because he had always worked for bush mills at the distillery in antrim county ireland so uh, they sent him down to Grundy, Virginia, to, and he went down in a coal mine, and then he met a man who had seen an accident, the dual smokeless, where a man fell in one of the coke ovens, which was very traumatic. I'm just waiting to finish that interview and try to finish that book. I'm hoping, well, I have the, that's the father's story, and then his daughter's story, and the final legacy is would be the third book, and I don't, I'm not even there yet. But you'll you'll get there, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Now you brought a book here today with you, and I, one of the things that we've been doing on our show for those who maybe haven't listened listened to the last few is we've been wanting to have local writers that will come on and talk a little bit about what books that they have in progress right now, read an excerpt from it, and share with us where they can get that book. No, you were just at the. Did you sign at the uh, Highlands Festival? One day. Yeah, yeah, leaning there. Okay, I I was there one day. I sold twenty three books because I'm a series writer. Most most of my books are a series, 
and uh, if people came in and bought one book, then they bought the whole series, or people that had read one of my books came looking for the rest of them. So that's, I was blessed in that way. But uh, the book I'm going to show you and read about today is called The Priory Heritage, and I have the first book, which is The Oldest Son. There's three children in that series. The Oldest Son, and uh, he is against arranged marriages. He, it's all the marriages that have been arranged, and he, his older sister, his mother had insisted she marry this man, and she just had a terrible life, and he was vehemently against arranged marriages. And that was the premise of, of this the book, in a sense, because it's called the undertitle. It's the Priory Heritage Series, A Heaven-Sent Wife, is the title of this book. Okay. Yeah, read us a little excerpt from that, if you don't mind. I'm going to read. He'd gone to his maternal grandmother uh, and thinking that she would be on his side, and she was in the sense, but she said, well, you're not so old yet. Uh, you just give yourself some time. When the Lord wants you to have a bride, he'll send you one. And he was very aggravated. So I'm going to begin there. But he, that's when he left. And his name was Devin. Anyway, uh, Devin Langford. By this time, Dev had arrived at the area. He, he got mad and jumped on his horse and left his grandmother's house. Okay. Now, by this time, Dev had arrived at the area called Longacre Reach which was shaded by huge overhanging branches of the various oak trees that marked the east boundary of Woodbriar Valley. He rode along the pond, uh, along pondering as to why the old Earl of Winestaff had turned over the reins of his entire estate to his ne'er-do-well nephew, Roland Winwood. Uh, he knew that the inheritance resided with the nearest living male relative and supposed Winwood was the only one left. That was too bad in Devin's mind, since Roland had gone through everything he could sell, mortgage or trade, and was now penniless, according to the audit. The house and land, however, was entailed and could not be touched. Now, he certainly hadn't touched it, thought Deb Langford, as he slowed his mount to walk and looked toward the manor house settled on the distant hill. Deb laughed aloud as he remembered his grandmother's last remark as he exited the room where she always received visitors. Deb, I know your mother and father are urging you to marry, but you're not yet 30, so don't get into a rush. The Lord will provide a wife for you on his own good time. Your mother and grandmother Langford are meddlesome busybodies and always try to run the lives of other people. The Lord has his way and nothing you or I can do to stop it. And he's thinking to himself, she talks like the Lord's going to suddenly dump a girl into my lap right out of the sky. If the Lord's going to send her, he'll be, she'll be an angel, and I sure don't want to live the rest of my life with an angel. I'd be bored within a week, he thought, and then it gurgled with laughter. The laughter died suddenly, instantly, with kerplunk. A heavy bundle of lace and gingham fell right into his lap. And some, from somewhere among the frills, lace and pantaloons came a muffle. <laughs> Before he was certain that he had heard them, his startled horse reared and broke into a wild gallop. Deb couldn't see where he was going, and the bundle of lace was thrashing from left to right in a very unsettling manner, not only for Deb, but for the horse as well. Loud shrieks emitted from somewhere in the midst of the blinding bundle as Deb tried to rein in his mouth. The shrieks 
startled the horse that much more, and Deb found himself being thrust through briars, branches, sage grass as tall as his horse. As they plunged through a particularly thick patch of brambles, Deb found a rounded object pushed up further up before his face. This made it impossible to see anything at all. Frustrated beyond endurance, he walked the rounded object blocking his view just as the horse stumbled and went down on its right knee. This fall sent the bundle of legs to the ground with Deb on top of it. The next thing Deb knew, rough hands jerked, jerked him up and backwards to land on his back in a patch of briars and thistles. He lay there stunned until he heard a hushed voice. That stiff, rump Lord Winwood will be high in high dungeon when he hears about this, whispered a startled voice. John Price, the Woodbriar coachman, knelt and pulled down the petticoats of his young mistress and put a finger on the pulse point near her ear. Finding a throbbing beat, he rose to his feet. I'll let you be the one to tell him then, for he pinned his hopes on a honey ball of awning Woodbriar folly. John Price grinned and then looking down on the two young people, he scratched his head thoughtfully. Jim Talbot, the groom, had been sent with John Price, the head coachman of Woodbriar Folly, to search the neighborhood. Finding the old Earl's granddaughter, Priscilla, absent from her room, had Lord Roland Winwood wild with fear, especially as his cousin couldn't be found anywhere on the premises. When first hearing this report, Roland Winwood could feel the doors of prison cell clanging behind him as shivers ran down his spine. Rushing from the study, he saw the coachman first and yelled, Don't stand around like a gape seat. Get everybody out and find her. That she-devil's up to roll tricks. She's just hidden somewhere, and I want her found. And within the next two hours or somebody will no longer have a position here. Lord Blenwood gave John Price a challenging look. The person will be here at one o'clock to perform the ceremony, so you'd better have her back here by then. Drag her by the back with a hair if you need to. Standing in the patch of burrs and bramble, Jim Talbot looked down on the scrambled position Priscilla and Lord Devon Langford were in and jerked back a step. I'm sorry we found her. Could be a good thing if she'd never been found. John Price grinned. Or what if she's found in some position that would get her betrothed to the Earl of Langford? That's really good. So, well, so again, that's the Priory Heritage Series? Mm -hmm. A heaven sent wife. Now that's on Amazon as well. Yes. All right, and you can probably find that on probably other booksellers online too. Yeah, you. Um, this is an interesting period piece. What got you interested in writing in like you know those uh, historical fiction to begin with? Well, I've lived to be old, but I've been an avid reader all my life, and I've read all of Georgette Hire's Regency romance. But to be sure, because they have what they call cant phrases and all kinds of the, the language by the ordinary person, not the aristocracy, was something else. Like I've said that somebody was dicked in the knot, which would they meant they were kind of addle-headed, but today's world, they wouldn't know what that was. But the language was that, but it was, I, found, I, I went back before I wrote, started on this series and Bought a book actually written by Georgette Hire, or maybe it was somebody else. But anyway, they were talking about everything in the Regency period. So I became really immersed in it, and I really loved that period of writing. So uh, that's why I 
I wrote that, and of course, the next two books, the next book would have been Susan's story, but like everything else, once this one was finished, I was already involved in another story, because I'm a character writer, and I find a character that I like, they talk to me night and day until I, get, I write their story. Now, who was your favorite character out of this Priory series? Devin, really, because he was so against an arranged marriage. He was just so vehement about it. He rebelled against his father. He, he had everybody unhappy. But it, it turned out to be a hilarious story. This is very close to the way it was in the Regents period, but it's also very funny. Like if you read through it, you'll laugh a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, you know, just from the excerpt that you read, it, it sounds wildly entertaining. And, that, you know, that is a really interesting period. I don't, I don't think I've read much, you know, some in that period, but not, not really a whole lot. But it sounds, it sounds really fun. And uh, I do have a couple of friends who read in that period a lot. They love those period pieces. Now, you were at the Virginia Highlands Festival. Are you, are you going to be signing books at any other festivals throughout this year? I hope to go to the Berks Garden Festival if I'm able. Um, I'm, I'm older than most of the writers in our group, and... Uh, it's difficult for me to load and unload and all that. And I haven't been to as many, not since COVID. I was really active before that happened. Now, um, you're not just a member of the Appalachian Authors Guild. You're a member of several different authors guilds. Um, which, which ones, because uh, you're, you're active in all of them. Uh, but which, uh, tell the audience a little bit about some of the other guilds. Because there's probably a lot of uh, writers that listen to this or, or have thought about writing and what's, but I always thought it was so important for people to join a guild. And today we've had a really great workshop here with the Appalachian Authors Guild here in Abington. Uh, but what are some of the other guilds that you uh, you lean on? Well, uh, Lost State Writers is uh, one that I have gone to and liked it. And I go, of course, I go to Highland, Virginia Highlands Festival. And uh, anything that has to do with writing, and I've been fortunate enough to, I could have used to go to the, um, writers workshops down at Highland, Kentucky, and met writers like Lee Smith and uh, just so many, uh, Sharon McCrum, I met most of those people, and I feel so blessed to have had, had those people, and they're still my friends today, and I, to me, our culture wouldn't be, wouldn't have advanced, because People loved to pass stories along, and that they, early people did it with cave drawings and whatever, or oral histories. And now I think people in Appalachia are, are telling their story better. Um, well, I mean, a lot of Lee Smith's writing is completely Appalachia. It's, there's just all kinds of writers, and in our group, most of them are really, really good writers, and they have really furthered the cause of literature and writing in this area. Well, consider yourself one of them because you've written so many great books and you've really captured our area really well. And the ones that I've read and and, uh, and we've heard you here in this guild talk a lot about the books. We've all had so many good discussions that uh, you're right. I mean, our writers actually define who we are as a culture and you are certainly one of the important voices that do that with these types of books. 
And we are actually going to have another second part of an interview after we do this podcast. We're going to have a Zoom discussion, so we can actually audio, record the video and make uh, our next discussion available up on YouTube. So if you're listening to this and you want to learn a little bit more about Addie and what uh, has inspired her, a little bit about her story and where she got her beginnings in writing at, at a young age and, and that journey, uh, make sure you tune in to our, our uh, YouTube page. Also, it'll probably be on the YouTube page for the Appalachian Authors Guild as well, because we'll share that over there with them. But uh, Addie, thank you again for sitting down and reading us a little bit from, from the Priory Heritage Series, the Priory Heritage Series, if I get that out right, and uh, maybe we'll hear a little bit more of it on the next interview. Thank you. All right. Hey, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Appalachian Shine. We'll be back soon with uh, another guest and, uh, and Addie soon on uh, YouTube. Thanks again, and we'll see you on down the road.